We're taking you from sideline to sideline and everything in between. It's your one-stop shop for all things football. Join me, Aaron Mukes, every Wednesday and Friday for fresh takes, breaking news, fantasy gold, and more. College and NFL, we got you covered. This is Sideline to Sideline, the podcast. Ball is spotted. The kick is away. And the kick is... Here comes the rush, and here's the hit. Second down attempt. Oh, what a hit. You can't do that. The quarterback, you can't fight. The 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. The 20. They're chasing him. They're not going to get him. Waving his arms. Here, tested. Somebody stop that man. Ladies and gentlemen, now your host, Mr. Aaron Mukes, and his co-host, Akeem. This is your one-stop shop for all college and NFL football. Here is Sideline to Sideline. Welcome in to Sideline to Sideline, the podcast. I am your host, Aaron Mukes. Episode number 25. Here we go. We're headed into week nine. Man, football season is half over. It's crazy. We saw we saw a lot of different things this week, and we're, we're going to touch on a lot today. I got a lot to get to. We're going to talk about Dalvin Cook's performance. Uh, I'm going to talk about some of these players that some of these players that are kind of disappointing this year, and what we expect from from the trade deadline. And then I'll also give you my rant of the week, which will feature a prominent NFL head coach. Uh, we will talk about my, my pickums. And then we will get into this week's pickums as well and a few other nuggets. But first off, I want to start with the performance of the weekend. One and only the Mr. Dalvin Cook. It looked honestly like the Green Bay Packers had no clue that Dalvin Cook was an elite running back. And it it's funny because we talk about we talk about Kirk Cousins being this quarterback that maybe is a game manager doesn't step up in big moments. And then when you watch a team like Green Bay, who was considered one of the NFC favorites play, you would think they would come into the game focused on Dalvin Cook and take him away and make Kirk Cousins beat him. And let me let me let me start by saying this. The Green Bay Packers are contenders. You know, it was a bad game from a team that I feel like is is going to be right there when it comes when it comes down to the end and when it's all said and done. But Matt LaFleur has to answer these questions. Like what what kind of game planning are you doing going against a team like Minnesota who is heavily um involved in in the running game? Like they're they're a run first team. Um they they obviously pass the ball second. What what are you thinking going into that game and why were the holes so big for Dalvin Cook to run through? Was it a schematic thing? Was it an effort thing? Uh, were players out of position? Or was were they just overlooking the, the Minnesota Vikings thinking, you know, we have a Thursday night game against the 49ers. And at that time, you know, a more healthy 49ers team with, with Garoppolo and Kittle being there. Um, maybe there was some of that. But needless to say, you have to look at the coaching staff and you have to say, what were they thinking? Dalvin Cook, I mean... He looked like he was running through holes, like peewee football holes. And we're not used to that. 
um, in the NFL, especially a divisional rivalry game like that. Um, I expect Green Bay to be better. Um, they haven't been great against the run already, but I do expect them to get better as the season progresses, and I do think they'll be there in the end. Speaking of the Thursday night game, obviously we have the San Francisco 49ers um, playing host to the Green Bay Packers, and now the Niners are going to be without Jimmy Garoppolo, who um, looks to have some still some 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 ankle effects or some effects from the ankle that he hurt earlier this year. So they are placing him on IR and George Kittle fractured um, and his has a fra- small fracture in his foot. So it looks to be the Niners are once again depleted with injuries. And we, we, we spoke about this many times, this Super Bowl hangover. And I don't mean the hangover in the sense of same team and you just get, you know, you just don't perform the same. The hangover is bigger than just the performance aspect. It's everything that it entails to get to a Super Bowl. It is extremely difficult. You have to get a little bit lucky to just get to a Super Bowl, let alone win it. So when when we look at teams like the San Francisco 49ers, and they had a great year last year, 13-3, and but everything went right for them. Everything, all the calls, you know, injuries played out where they were healthy when it mattered. Like things, you know, the play call, everything went right. For whatever reason, everything went right. And then here we are, flip the calendar over to 2020, and everything's gone wrong. Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, Richard Sherman, Jimmy Garoppolo, George Kittle, Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, Jarek McKinnon. I mean, the list is long. Jacarcy Tart, the list is long. Adding, get this, this is a quick stat, funny stat. They were doing lists of, Salary, total salary cap numbers of guys on IR. After Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle go on to IR, the San Francisco 49ers will have $80 million on IR. That's that's a whole roster. So do we expect them to get back to the Super Bowl with, with, with something like that? Can we really expect them to get back to a Super Bowl? I, I would say no. Um, do I feel sorry for them? Absolutely not. This is this is a, a league you can't feel sorry for teams when they get hurt. Every team is hurt. Every team has injuries. Some years it's better than others. There's no, there's no sympathy there. So Niner fans, if you're looking for sympathy, don't look here. No sympathy. It's not because I don't particularly care for the Niners. It's that there are a lot of teams that are banged up. Um, many teams have to go through this. This just isn't your year, and um, it, it's hard to go back. It gives you an appreciation for the teams like the New Orleans Saints, who are in the hunt every year, NFC Championship game uh, right there. The New England Patriots, who until recent history um, are usually right there competing for a Super Bowl. It, it just gives you a real appreciation for what they're able to do as an organization year in and year out, dealing with injuries, salary cap, turnovers um, on, on player and personnel, and continue to put your team in a position to be successful and compete for a championship. Because it's hard. It's not easy. Um, so the Niners are, are are looking to now Nick Bullens to take over the reins. And I just think in that division, being one of the toughest divisions in football, um, it's, it's, it's going to be tough for them to get out of that basement of that division. Um, 
moving on. Um, we, we saw some interesting matches. We saw the game of the week, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, this this constant narrative about Lamar Jackson. Now, mind you, I'm, I'm going to say this right now. Lamar Jackson is an elite player in the National Football League. And I know he's getting a bad rap today, and I know they're putting a lot of blame on him. But Lamar Jackson is elite. Are there things he can improve on? Absolutely. Can he become a better passer? Yes. Can he not turn the ball over? Yes. He cost them the game yesterday against the Steelers. But let's be clear. This doesn't take away from what Baltimore has done. Baltimore is a contender. Baltimore beats the bad teams like they're supposed to. They beat the teams that are on the same level with that they're supposed to. And they have struggled against teams like Kansas City and Pittsburgh. But even Pittsburgh, they outplayed Pittsburgh in every phase of that game, except for one. And that was the turnover battle. If Lamar Jackson doesn't turn the ball over, Baltimore wins the game. It's that simple. You have, you have Lamar Jackson and an elite rushing attack. You throw for more yards than Big Ben. And for whatever reason, they turn the ball over and they find a way to lose. It, it's it, You cannot turn the ball over in the NFL unless you're playing against the Jets or the Dallas Cowboys, as we saw Philadelphia do this past, this past weekend. So I came out of this game more disturbed by how Lamar played than I am impressed by the Steelers, if that makes sense. Like I was already impressed with the Steelers. They were already in my top five. Um, they're going to be somebody to some a team to reckon with, and I come I come thinking Baltimore needs something. I don't know if Des Bryant is the answer. I don't know if adding a, a an elite weapon on the outside is the answer, but they need something. Something's missing from that team. Uh, maybe they should just free J.K. Dobbins. You know what I'm saying? We we had the free Aaron Jones. Uh, talk that was started by ESPN's Matthew Barry. Um, I, I want to free J.K. Dobbins. So let's let let's see where they go from here. I think Baltimore's still an elite team, and I think they'll still make noise in the playoffs. I think Lamar does get his first playoff win this year. Uh, but can they get through Pittsburgh or Kansas City, possibly on the road in the playoffs? It's going to be a tough feat. We're going to have to see a much better Lamar Jackson in order for that to happen. Now, we expected... Um, Andy Dalton possibly to come back and play against Pittsburgh this week for Dallas. It looks like that will not be happening as Andy Dalton has been placed on the COVID-19 list. There hasn't been many details put out there about whether he has COVID or he was just in contact with somebody who had COVID, but, uh, just another, you know, make matters worse for the Dallas Cowboys. Just another, uh, you know, gut punch. We're looking at Ben DiNucci possibly getting his second start. Um, but there is, there is talks that, you know, Cooper Rush was signed to the practice squad this past week. And, um, I think they might call him up to play against Pittsburgh. He has a little bit of history with Dallas and he seems to be a little bit more effective as a quarterback. He has a little bit more experience. So look for that to take place. Um, one, one thing I wanted to mention, we, there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of talk about Ezekiel Elliott's production and the lack thereof. And, and we talked about it a few weeks ago. I said that the only way the Cowboys are going to get out from where they're at right now is to trade Zeke. I think that's the 
the most ideal thing, the way they've developed their team with no O-line. I want to make this very clear. Ezekiel Elliott is an elite running back in this league. I don't want to hear about fumbles. The man hasn't fumbled his whole career. He had a couple of games where he had some bad fumbles. He didn't fumble in college. He didn't fumble in high school. He hadn't fumbled in the NFL until this year. The only thing that's changed is now we are trash. And the Dallas Cowboys, and he's trying to do too much. Like he was trying to put it all on his shoulders. And I don't care who you are at the running back position. You cannot carry a team. Look at the the years that running backs have huge seasons. And then look at their team. Are they really carrying the team? The DeMarco Murray year, where the Cowboys went 13-3, and won the division, 14-2, whatever it was. And everybody's like, oh, DeMarco Murray, MVP. Tony Romo had his best year because he had a running game. But if Tony Romo would have sucked and the offensive line would have sucked, our team wouldn't have been anything, even with DeMarco Murray. So you go back to the days of Barry Sanders when he was producing they didn't win, and they didn't win because they had nobody else. Christian McCaffrey in Carolina, they don't win. Saquon Barkley in New York, they don't win because a running back is not going to win you a title. That's not what the position is about. So to for people to think that Zeke has lost a step, if it, then you're not watching the, you're not actually watching him run. You're just seeing a box score or looking at his yards per carry and say, oh, he's declining. No. The offensive line's declining. The team is declining. Watch him run. He runs people over. He finishes runs. He's athletic. He's a goal line threat. He doesn't get, he never gets pushed backwards. He is a running back and he's a good one. He's a great one. So I don't want to buy, I don't want anybody to be buying into this hype of Zeke's lost it or he's not worth the money because he absolutely is just not on our team anymore. Our team is different. We are built differently. If we were built the way we were in 2016, Zeke would still have 2,000 total yards. He'd still rush for 1,600 yards a season, and he'd be the best back in football. He's not getting those touches. We are a pass-first team. That's the way we've designed it. We've went out and we spent money on Amari Cooper, and we drafted C.D. Lamb, and we have Michael Gallup, and we have tight end, and we have like all these weapons that supposedly were supposed to work. And when Dak was there, you've seen it. We were throwing the ball all over the field. We are not built on the run anymore. Zeke needs to be in an offense where he's the focal point, where he's the guy, and then it's play action. Put Zeke where Derrick Henry's at. Zeke would thrive. He would thrive. Put Zeke where um, Nick Chubb or Dalvin Cook are at in, in, in Cleveland. They would thrive. Where Josh Jacobs is at in Oakland, he would thrive. Where Raheem Moster in, in San Francisco, they would thrive because of the fact that it's ran, it starts with the running game and then they build the play action game off of it. So I don't want to hear this stuff about Zeke's washed. Get an offensive line to block. Get an offense that's built around him like it's supposed to be and you'll see the same Zeke you saw before. Um but, you know, again, it's not, it might not work on Dallas. So, you know, we don't have the offensive line pieces like we used to. So it might be time where we need to uh, move on. And it's just, uh, it's just as simple as that. All right. My rant this week is, is significant because we, we see this a lot in sports. We talk about recency bias and how quickly we forget 
the greats and how what they do and and how much of an impact they've actually had on the game. And this this topic is just bizarre to me. I've been hearing a lot of media outlets and they've talked about it a little bit on some of the shows. Um, the Bill Belichick press conference, he's talking about they sold out to go to three Super Bowls or win three Super Bowls and AFC championship games and all that. And now that they don't have the money, that's why they can't put pieces around Cam Newton or last year around Tom Brady or whatever. And then I hear people talking about, oh, well, that's an excuse. And and then they start to question, well, now is, is it Brady or is it Belichick? Maybe it was just Brady. And I argue, like, let's be very, very, very careful before we start picking and um, kind of just breaking down Bill Belichick's greatness and questioning that. Let, let's be very, very careful. Without a doubt, and I'm going to say this, and it's there is no question about it. Without one sliver of doubt, Bill Belichick is the greatest coach in football history. It's not, it's not questionable. You can't question it. Nobody's ever been that dominant for that long. Never. He's the greatest coach the NFL has ever seen. Adding to that, Bill Belichick might be the greatest coach in all of team sports history. And I'm going to tell you why. Number one, football is has the most parity out of any league. NBA, Major League Baseball, hockey, whatever. Out of any league. One, because of the salary cap. Two, the changes from year to year. And three, the length of careers for individuals is so much shorter that the turnover rate is so high. You could argue Bill Belichick is the greatest coach in team sports history. Now, if you want to throw guys like Mike Krzyzewski, um, you know, Phil Jackson, we, we've talked about, you know, guys like that, Red Auerbach or whatever. Uh, I'm not going to, to throw too much of a fit. Like you want to have that debate, that's fine. It's personal preference. It's subjective. Which sport you may be paying attention to more, fine. But there's no argument in football. I don't care if you're talking Vince Lombardi, Bill Walsh. Uh, it, it, it just doesn't matter. Tom Landry, it doesn't matter. Bill Belichick is the greatest coach in football history. So with that said, anyone who chooses to to downplay or say that Bill Belichick is making excuses for why his team is not good right now should be utterly ashamed of themselves. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. It's stupid. He, he was asked a question. He answered a question and gave an explanation, not an excuse, an explanation as to why they are at where they're at. This is no different than any other team. These teams are up against the salary cap. You can manipulate the cap to do what you want to do. The Dallas Cowboys have done it for years. But at some point in time, it comes back to bite you in the ass. And that's what it's done to Dallas. We've pushed contracts out. We like long, you know, eight, nine, ten years contracts and things like that to manipulate the salary cap. Jerry Jones made a living off of it in the 90s when he first introduced the salary cap. 
So Bill Belichick said, we sold out for these championships. What is he referring to? Basically, they paid guys. They 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 could have gotten people off the books. They could have, you know, done things to set themselves up for when Tom Brady was gone. And and you know, build their roster up and you know, maybe kept Jimmy G, you know, who knows, maybe moved on from Brady a little bit earlier, which would have saved him a little bit of money. But they didn't. They sold out to win Super Bowls. And they won. And they were successful in doing that. Good for them. But the result of that is now where they're at. And you can't you can't criticize Bill Belichick. You can't say, hey, you're making excuses now. No, he's telling you why they're strapped. Why they can't go make these moves. And to give an explanation like that and him just say, hey, we're working with what we got. We can't really make these moves right now. That's just an explanation. So when people question him, or question his greatness, that's an that's an issue. And it, it's just something that I hate to see, man. This is a coach that for 20 years has been in countless Super Bowls, countless AFC championship games, made the playoffs every year, played, you know, I mean, won the division damn near every year. Like, he has literally ran the league. Every year. aside, I mean, yes, he had Brady. But as a coach, he's ran the league. And now we're going to sit here. Seven games into his tenure without Tom Brady, one of the greatest quarterbacks, if not the greatest quarterback of all time, and question what he's done or what he's doing? Give me a break, man. Every single team in the NFL would be lucky to have Bill Belichick as their coach. So I don't want to hear he's making excuses. No, he's telling you like it is. We were strapped for cash. We were strapped. We sold out. We won Super Bowls. We did what we were supposed to do. And now we have to figure it out. And that takes time. You don't just get to recover like that. So give him a year or so. Let the man figure out where, what the next steps are. Let him have a draft, uh, a normal year of practice, a normal year of preparation. Before you want to start now, oh, was it Brady or Belichick? Give me a break. It worked because they were both there. I'd be hard-pressed to believe that if he had Aaron Rodgers, it wouldn't have been the same thing. Or he had a Patrick Mahomes, or a Drew Brees, or a Peyton Manning. It wasn't just Tom Brady. And it wasn't just Bill Belichick. It was the both of them combined. And unfortunately, we're, we're always forced to pick and choose one, which, whatever, it's fun to have that debate. But to criticize Bill Belichick and say he's making excuses? I mean, it's not Jason Garrett. You know what I mean? Like, we talk about the best quarterbacks in football. And there's like five that come to my mind right away. Belichick's at the top of the list. Right ahead of Andy Reid, Mike Tomlin, and, you know, a few others. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a John Harbaugh guy. I, I would put him in that, in that category. And, and there's just very few. Coaches that you can look at and you can go, their job is safe. They're not going to be fired. I Andy Reid will not be fired. Andy Reid will mutually part ways. They will separate or go, you know, something else. Or he'll retire. Bill Belichick, the same. Mike Tomlin's not going to be fired. We've seen what he's done with nobody, 8-8. Eight and eight, And then this year, you give him his quarterback back and they're undefeated. 
it's it's something that you just you just have to you have to earn. John Harbaugh's been with Baltimore. They're always in it. They're always a team that's competing. Nobody can expect you to win every year. But if you're giving yourself a chance every year as a head coach in the NFL, I will take that every single time. You don't want to be stuck with guys like Adam Gase. You don't. Matt Nagy. I don't want him. Bill O'Brien. It's these guys are the coaches that get hired and fired and recycled and, you know, win some games, make the playoffs every once in a while, win some games. Oh, then they get fired again. Then they win some games. Oh, maybe take a team to the playoffs and then they lose and then win some games. But they never are consistent. They never can put together an actual organizational program that is consistent enough to continuously win football games. It's just different. So Bill Belichick being questioned, it really pissed me off. And I'm not a big Bill Belichick guy, but I can admit when I see greatness, and that's great. So please leave that alone. Shut that down right now. I don't want to waste any more time on it. But anybody who wants to question Bill Belichick, go question your own coach first. I don't care who it is because Bill Belichick is the GOAT. All right, all right. It is time for another Power ranking segment. I'm going to take my top five and count them down. How much has changed over the past couple of weeks? Let's find out. Um, some people are going to disagree with this list. And you know what? I don't particularly care. As I've stated in the past, um, this is my list. And I think that it's a good list. And I look for things other than just win-loss records. I think there's a I think there's an argument to be made that win-loss records are overrated. Um and I, I get you are what you you are, you know, the whole Bill Parcells uh thing, you are what your record says you are. But I just think that there's more to it than that. It's about who you've played, how you looked against you played them. Have you been on the road and played well? Have you battled through some controversy and gone through some ups and downs? So I'm gonna kind of break that down in these top five teams and um Again, you may agree, you may not agree. Number five, I have the New Orleans Saints. And yes, the Saints are not a sexy pick right now. They've been just kind of squeaking by. But you look up and they're sitting right there atop the um, NFC South. They're continuing to win games. You know, they had bad losses against like Oakland. But again, early in the season, I expect those kind of things to happen. When you're playing out-of-conference games, it's bound to happen. But they're at five and two. They're right there tied for the, the lead in their division with, with Tampa Bay. Or a half game back, I should say. Tampa Bay hasn't had their bye week yet. But let's be let's remember they've been without Emmanuel Sanders. They've been without Michael Thomas all year. And they're still finding ways to win games. Uh, Michael Thomas should be coming back. Emmanuel Sanders will be getting back on the field. Their offense should improve. They've had a solid defense. I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. And if I had to pick again right now, they're not my they, I wouldn't pick them, but I'm not jumping off the bandwagon yet. So that's my Super Bowl pick still. Um the, I don't think they're the favorite in the NFC right now. I think there's a couple of teams ahead of them. But they're right there. They're competing and they've already beaten Tampa Bay. So um I, I think there's a there's a good argument to be made that New Orleans is not getting enough credit 
And I see them getting on a roll here and starting to look a lot better as we move forward through the middle part of the season and head down the back stretch. Number four, um, Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. I know they had their little hiccup against Arizona, but they were a penalty away from winning that game and being undefeated. This is a good football team. And uh, despite all of their defensive struggles in the secondary without Jamal Adams and on the defensive line not being able to create pressure, they have probably the best player in football right now in Russell Wilson. And, and, and we talked about it a few weeks ago. DK Metcalf. I mean, that is Calvin Johnson, like reincarnated plus some. Uh, that dude is going to be an absolute handful for a long time. And with those two, and then you get Tyler Lockett, and they've been doing it with backup running backs or to their fourth running back, DJ Dallas. doesn't matter who they plug in back there. If they're just a good, efficient football team, and they know how to win. And Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson couldn't be two better leaders on a football team. And uh, yeah, I mean, how can you argue that they're not in the top five? I don't, I don't see an argument where you can, you can't have them in your top five. I think they slot in at four. Nice. Uh, could they be higher? Maybe. Um, they might be able to get up to three or two, but I have a couple of teams that I'm, I'm a little bit more impressed with at the moment. Number three, Tampa Bay, and you know, I almost put them at number two after after watching them against the Giants, and not because. I didn't put them at three because they didn't look good against the Giants. I put them there because they actually impressed me more against the Giants. Number number one is they're on the road in prime time, and we all know how that goes. It's just one of the the Giants are up for that game. Uh, Maybe the energy without the fans is, is lackluster for Tampa Bay, and they can't really get into it. But they maybe overlooked them a little bit. And they took them for granted the first half. And they had to come out in the second half. They got punched in the mouth. And they had to come out in the second half and, and adjust. And, and they did just that. Brady looked much better in the second half. Their defense stepped up. And even though they let Daniel Jones go down the field and score, I never felt like the Giants were going to win that football game. And, and we talked about the games that you, you have to win. It's a game you have to win. Tampa Bay can't lose against the Giants. I particularly I don't care how it gets done. But you can't lose that game. So, you know, maybe there's PI, maybe there's not. But I don't care. If that game went to overtime, the, the Giants weren't going to win that game. Tampa Bay was going to win that game because they are the better team. And, you know, I was first of all, I was thankful they didn't call PI or they did and then they didn't because I was playing against Tom Brady in a fantasy league. And uh, he was about three points away from overtaking the lead on me. And if that game went to overtime, there is no doubt Tom Brady would have gotten the ball Score three points, and I would have got beat. So thank you to the officials that decided to pick up the flag. Um, I didn't think there was enough there to warrant pass interference. I actually think, although the defender got there early, the contact with the receiver, because the receiver was also trailing away, the contact with the receiver did not happen um, early. It happened at the same time that his that the ball hit the guy defender's arm. So um, I know you can debate that. And some people, obviously Giant fans want a flag, but... I don't think that warranted a pass interference call. And if Daniel Jones would have threw the ball on time, he would have caught it. So I put that on Daniel Jones. Not to mention he had two other terrible, like terrible throws in that game. I mean, just why did you throw this? Actually, more than two, but two were picked off. So um, I was impressed with Tampa, regardless of how how hard of a fought game they had to, you know, they had to put forth in order to win. Um, I was impressed with them this week. They should get back 
Antonio Brown's now there. Um, Chris Godwin should be back soon. They're getting healthy, and they're definitely probably the most talented team in football. I, I just I like what they're doing there. That we, we joked, um, we were joking. A couple of buddies of mine were joking on our little group chat that they look like a Madden in a NFL Madden franchise mode team. You know, the one where you turn off the salary cap and you turn off decline trades, and they accept every trade you give them. And that's what their team looks like. It's like you set your team up to go undefeated every time you you play Madden. And uh, that's what Tampa Bay is right now. Gronk looks good. They got Fournette and Ronald Jones and Tobro and Evans and Godwin and Brady and Brayton, Scotty Miller. And, you know, on defense, they got a young, aggressive defense. Uh, they just look – they look the part. They, their team on paper, they look the part. Um, they are going to be a playoff contender and it's really all about can they continue to play at that high of a level? And those young, that young secondary, are they going to be able to do the same thing in the playoffs that they're doing in the regular season? That's my number three team. Number two, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And um, yes, if you noticed, uh, Pittsburgh has leapfrogged Baltimore, obviously not just with the win, but that defense is really, really impressive. They are through a part of their schedule these last two weeks where Tennessee and Baltimore. We talked about it. We said, we'll see where they're at after those two weeks. And they came away with wins in both games. They weren't, it wasn't always pretty, but they won both games. They're sitting at, you know, seven, eight and oh, whatever it is. And now their schedule gets really light. So um, they get to go roll Dallas this week should, you know, be another win. And they can continue to build on what they're what they're building on. And Mike Tomlin just has that team playing well. And it, it, it's crazy. Basically the same team. I mean, you add in Chase Claypool, which was a great pick. But overall, basically the same team. And you bring back your quarterback and look at the difference it has. I mean, they were a great defense last year. Similar weapons on the outside. Same running game. Same O-line. The one difference was Mason Rudolph, Duck Hodgins, to Big Ben. And it just goes to show you, that is why the quarterbacks get paid $100 million. Can't question it. You cannot question it. That right there. Look at the situations in this week's game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Dallas Cowboys. One team is where Pittsburgh was at last year. Okay? One team is where Pittsburgh was at last year. They lost their quarterback. The difference was they had a coach. Their coach coached them to 8-8. Eight and eight. Dallas this year doesn't have their quarterback. We should be looking at that coach. A year later, Pittsburgh, same team. They already almost had eight wins. Everything's the same. The quarterback's back. That's the difference. And... That that's the difference. Quarterback and coach. And in the NFL, if you have a quarterback and you have a coach, then you have a chance. Simple as that. So Pittsburgh's my number two team. Um, I like what they're doing. Uh, Big Ben's obviously a Super Bowl champ. He knows how to get it done when it matters most. Uh, if he stays healthy, Pittsburgh will be in the mix. And as I stated all year long, it doesn't matter Back-to-back -back repeat champions, 
Kansas City Chiefs will be holding the trophy at the end of the year because they are the best team in football because they have the best quarterback I have ever seen play. Not a stretch. I'm not saying he's the most accomplished. I'm not saying he's the greatest. Talent-wise, Patrick Mahomes is the most talented, best quarterback I've ever seen play. Ever. That includes Aaron Rodgers. That includes Tom Brady. That includes Dan Marino. That includes Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, John Elway, Steve Young, Joe Montana. I don't care who you name. From a talent perspective, Patrick Mahomes, there's nothing he can't do. Not one thing he can't do. And he has a strong arm. And his teammates love him. And he's a leader. And he's a winner. It, there's no, And he looks good on TV, man. Good personality. Having a baby. Family man. Like, model example. We talk, we compare, like we talk about LeBron James in that aspect, right? How the argument for LeBron James being the greatest ever is more than just what he's done on the basketball court. It's everything he encompasses. Everything about him. That, that's what Patrick Mahomes is, is trending towards. And he's only in year three. You know what I mean? Or year four, whatever it is. But year three as a starter. So I, Kansas City is my number one team until they lose the Super Bowl. I don't care if they lose three straight games in the regular season. I will still put them as my number one team. As long as Patrick Mahomes is healthy, as long as Andy Reid is call, calling the plays and coaching, they're my number one team. Doesn't matter. Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid. Quarterback, coach. So with that being said, I wanted to recap my top five. And I want you guys, we talked about it a number of times. I want you guys to focus in on what the consistency is there. New Orleans at five. Drew Brees, Sean Payton. Seattle at four. Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll. Tampa Bay at three. Tom Brady, Bruce Arians. Pittsburgh at two. Big Ben, Mike Tomlin. And Kansas City at one. Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. If you have a quarterback and a coach in the NFL, you have a chance. We could continue down that list. We could go to the Baltimore, John Harbaugh, Lamar Jackson. You know, we could talk about play, players like that. We could talk about the, the Ryan Tannehills and Mike Vrabels. Like, go look at the teams that are succeeding right now. It's the quarterbacks. It's the coaches. Everything else is nice. Like, you want to have a good defense. You want to do the quarterback and coach. If they're performing well and they're doing their jobs Right, you're going to have a chance to win football games. It's that simple. It really is that simple. All right, let's wrap it up here. I'm going to give you my week nine picks, and then next week we will give an update where I stand. I've been about 500 this year. It's been really tough picking these games. There's been some upsets. I got to stop picking against Cincinnati. They've covered, they're like 8-0 against the spread this year. Um, I don't know why I keep picking against him. Maybe just because I've, <laughs> I've been on Joe Burrow's ass all year and I'm not a fan. But he's proven me wrong. And it is year one. And Baker Mayfield, you know, did this year one as well. And then we've seen what's happened to him since. So I'm not going to jump off of what I said. But it is getting harder and harder to defend my position uh, against Joe Burrow. So um, and he plays in a tough division. I mean, they got, you know, some good defenses there in Baltimore and Pittsburgh and Cleveland. 
there's some good solid defenses there, and he's continuing to produce. So, um, yeah, they, they keep proving me wrong. But let's get started. We have the the Broncos and the Falcons first. Broncos and Falcons. And Atlanta here is favored by four and a half. I'm sorry, four. Um, they're at home. I, I don't know, man. I, I've been on Drew Locke. I've been a Drew Locke fan since last year. Like, something about that kid just tells me, like, he doesn't care. He has that Brett Favre-ish. I don't say he's as good as Brett Favre. That Brett Favre-ish mentality of, I'm going to throw it because I know my arm is strong. And if it gets through, great. If it doesn't, oh, well, i got to throw it again next time. Like, nothing deters him, and he's a fiery guy. He brought them back last week against the Chargers. Um, I'm going to take Denver in this one, plus four. I just think Atlanta is not a very good football team. Um, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, you know, they're obviously kind of leading the charge for Atlanta. But outside of that, I'm not sold on any Falcons uh, kind of resurrection after letting Dan Quinn go. All right, we have Seattle. And Buffalo. Seattle travels to Buffalo. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. I think neither team can really stop anybody. Um, I think Seattle is a better team. I think Buffalo struggles when they play against good teams. I think they're a team that can beat up on the weaker competition, you know, win some of the toss-up games. But every time they go up against a team that they they have to beat to kind of get over that hump, they struggle. Um, Josh Allen hasn't looked very good lately. And I just think that, they're squeaking by. They just squeaked by New England. I think Seattle wins this game pretty handily. Um, I will take Seattle minus three. All right, we have Chicago and Tennessee. This is a game where I think both are really pretenders. I don't think Tennessee's going to be good enough. Um, I don't think they make it back to the AFC Championship game. I think they'll obviously make the playoffs. They're going to give some teams some fits because they run the ball really well. Tannehill's playing well. But I don't necessarily think they're for real. And the Chicago Bears, I think, are just an absolute, the worst five and three team I've ever seen. Um, their O-line's not good. They have a great defense, but their offense is not, um, it's not something that I'm going to write home about. So uh, Tennessee's favored by five and a half here. That's a lot of points. Um, they struggled against Cincinnati. I think Tennessee rebounds here. I think Tennessee wins by five and a half. I will take Tennessee at home. Um, give me them with the five and a half points. Baltimore against the Colts. This is a really intriguing game. And for a number of reasons. Number one is the Colts are not being talked about. Okay, they're five and two. Um, they're kind of flying under the radar in the AFC. They don't win pretty. Phillip Rivers is kind of just muddling along. He'll have some good games. He'll have some bad games. I like the Colts. I think their defense is strong. They run the ball well. They have a good offensive line. Baltimore's favored by two and a half on the road here. This is a really tough game for me to pick. I think this is a toss-up game. I lean towards Baltimore mainly because they're coming off a loss, and I think they rebound here. Uh, I don't know if Jonathan Taylor's going to play. I'm going to pick Baltimore. I'll take Baltimore minus two and a half. Uh, I don't love the pick there, and I could easily see myself leaning towards the Colts, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with my gut. I'm going to go Baltimore minus two and a half. We have Carolina going to Kansas City, unfortunately for them. Carolina is a pretty solid football team, but Kansas City is just too much. Kansas City's favored by 10 and a half. I think that's a lot of points. Um, Teddy Bridgewater's been banged up. You know what? I'm going to take Carolina here. I think Carolina covers the 10 and a half. I think Bridgewater plays. I think he'll he'll do fine. I think they 
they keep it close. I think, you know, it could be like a 30 to 20 game or a 27-17 type game. Uh, I'll take the Panthers plus 10 and a half. Detroit and Minnesota. We watched Minnesota run all over Green Bay. I think they're not going to have the same success against Detroit. Um, I think Minnesota's favored by four here. I think they got something going last week. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Minnesota. I think they get rolling here a little bit. Um, I will take Minnesota minus four. Oh, boy. Battle of the NFC East. We have the Washington football team taking on the New York Giants. Uh, the Giants have to travel on a short week. Obviously, they played Monday night to Washington. Washington's D-line should be all over Danny Dimes. I hate that nickname. Uh, Washington is favored by three. I, I, I like Washington in this game. I think Kyle Allen off the bye week. Um, uses the run game, gets Antonio Gibson involved, uh, Terry McLaurin involved, and I think Washington wins this game against New York. Houston goes to Jacksonville off a of bye week. I like Deshaun Watson in this spot. Houston's favored by six and a half. Jacksonville is starting a rookie. I don't even know who it is. Uh, Letton or Luton or Louis Vuitton or whatever his name is. Um, J.J. Watt is going to be hungry, and J.J. Watt is going to feast. I will take Houston minus six and a half. The Las Vegas Raiders, uh, fresh off a nice defensive performance against Cleveland, take on the Los Angeles Chargers. This one's tough. Division game, Herbert looks really good, really, really good. But for whatever reason, the Chargers keep finding ways to lose games. And I don't see this week being much different. I think the Raiders are a better football team overall. I think they know how to win. Um, I'm going to take the Raiders here uh, plus one on the road against the Chargers. Uh, the 2020 Darlings right now, Miami Dolphins take on the Arizona Cardinals. Really intriguing matchup here. Um, Arizona's off a of bye week, uh, favored by four, and the Dolphins come off a big win against the Rams where that defense just looked nasty. Um, the defense has actually played really, really well lately. I love what Brian Flores is doing there. They're getting healthy. They have Byron Jones back and Xavier Howard. And they got players all over the field there. And then now, you know, Tua will see what he what he does this game. Last game, he wasn't really forced to pass a whole lot. So we didn't get to see much. I think Arizona's too strong. Kyler Murray is an MVP candidate for me. I'm going to take Arizona minus four. Sunday, not actually, you know what? Let's go to Sunday night. Pittsburgh and Dallas. We won't spend too much time on this game. I don't know who's starting for Dallas. It won't matter. Pittsburgh's going to win. If the spread is 10, take Pittsburgh. If the spread is 20, take Pittsburgh. If the spread is 30, take Pittsburgh. Steelers all day. Steelers roll. Sunday night, game of the week. New Orleans goes to Tampa. Breeze versus Brady. They're going back and forth on these records going to be one of the most talked about matchups. Tampa Bay is going to probably come into the game favored. It looks like they're favored about five and a half right now. Um, I think New Orleans matches up well with Tampa. They beat them earlier this year in New Orleans. But Tobro, I think if Antonio Brown wasn't playing in this game, I think New Orleans would get him. And I'm going to tell you why. I think Brady and Antonio Brown are going to prove a point. That's it. They're going to prove a point. Antonio Brown's going to have a huge day. I'm taking Tampa. And Monday night, New England goes 
to the New York Jets. Is this the first game we are going to see the Jets win? Negative. Take the Patriots. The Jets are not good. Patriots by seven. All right, so those are my picks for this week. I have Denver plus four, Seattle minus three, Tennessee minus five and a half, Baltimore minus two and a half, Carolina plus ten and a half, Minnesota minus four, Washington minus three, Houston minus six and a half, Las Vegas plus one, Arizona minus four, Pittsburgh, doesn't matter the line, take them, and Tampa Bay minus five and a half. And my lock of the week is going to be New England over the jet, the Jets by seven. So, um, you know, I'm staying consistent with my theme of taking against the Jets. That's my lock of the week. That is our show. Week nine is coming up. Half the season gone, half the season to go. Stay tuned for more Sideline to Sideline every Wednesday and Friday. Check out our fantasy show on Wednesdays, our regular show on Fridays. Um, so many things coming, so many things in the works. It's been a crazy couple of months for me. Uh, I got a lot more coming. It's kind of slowing down. But it's it's just a lot right now. So um, I'm trying to get it out there as soon as I can. I appreciate you guys all listening. Follow me on Twitter at S2 Podcast. Follow me on Instagram at sideline to sideline underscore podcast. Let's talk. I'll post some things on Facebook. Interact. If you guys are real sports fans and real football fans, let's interact. Talk about it. Have some good conversations. And best of all, get your voice out there. Be heard. As fans, we want to be heard. I'm giving you that platform to do so. So let's let's get it done. Um, other than that, we will see you next week. Good luck in week number nine to all your teams. Peace out.